Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's Thursday night, so you know what that means. All the good shows on SCTV will start at 9 o'clock this evening. Inside Sports concludes before then, so we're all good. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight, Thursday Night Football. We will keep you updated. The Seahawks wearing those lime green shirts tonight. Not a huge fan of those. They will take on the Arizona Cardinals, who are having a pretty good season. They had a thrilling game earlier this year on a Sunday night with the Cardinals prevailing in overtime and the Cards coming off that dramatic Hail Mary victory over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. The Seahawks have lost three of their last four, do not have a good defense this season and that's really been uh, letting them down and then they couldn't really score a lot against the LA Rams on Sunday kicks off in about 15 minutes of course we'll keep you updated there okay just uh, some notes here on the National Hockey League before we dive into some other stuff and uh, you may have seen Elliot Friedman's article today on sportsnet.ca and uh, here's how the article starts he says sometimes you need a good night's sleep to give you perspective so with that some thoughts on yesterday it was not a good day. That's from Elliot Friedman. Now, we know that there was a, a conference call yesterday, NHL Players Association uh, talking, and the, the, the league presenting, uh, according to Friedman's sources, a couple of proposals. The first one, asking for uh, changes to the CBA only for the upcoming season. Deferred compensation would go to... 20% instead of 10 escrow would go to 25% instead of 25. The second proposal was for deferred compensation to be 26% for next season. And the escrow would not be touched until years four to six of the new CBA when it would go up from 6% to either 85 or 9 And Friedman has a quote here from an NHL PA representative who was on the conference call who said there were audible gaps when this was presented. And Friedman goes on to write, to understand the emotion, recognize that to the players, escrow is the dirtiest word in the dictionary. There's nothing even close. Uh, I, I would recommend checking out this article. And uh, I, I believe Friedman's going to be on with Bob's show tomorrow, on Bob's show tomorrow. And Bob is on uh, with me in about half an hour. So, look, I, I've mentioned this before that we know that the, the pandemic and the virus, and, and of course, that is a big issue in society and in sports. But I, I do think that if ultimately there is a hang up here that could kill the season, and I think we have to recognize that it's possible. I'm still pretty optimistic they'll figure it out. They they have to get something in place here pretty quick if they're going to start January 1st. But they got to they got to figure out something pretty quick. And it could be that you know the players aren't comfortable with more money going into escrow or deferring more salary, and that maybe could be the ultimate hangup. Now, also if you're the employee in this situation, what the players are, 
60, 50, 70% of what you would usually get is more than 100% of nothing, which is what they would get if there's no season. But this this, this is a big development, and this is something to really keep in mind. I think the, the, this, is a, this might be a bigger topic than how they are going to deal with uh, playing during a pandemic. And, and I think, again, they're probably leaning towards somewhere between 48 and 60 games, depending on when they can start, probably games and home arenas and probably a baseball style schedule where you go to a city and play two or three games. So anyway, that's the latest there that I can tell you on the National Hockey League. It's green and gold gray cup week here on Inside Sports. We've had some awesome guests so far. Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford were on together yesterday. Some incredible memories of the 2015 championship game. We talked to the Giz. We talked to Brian Kelly. Today we have Dave Cutler at 7.30, legendary kicker, and the coach of the five-in-a-row teams, Hugh Campbell, is on after the 7 o'clock news. So that got me thinking this afternoon, and you can go vote in my Twitter poll. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. It's R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Who is the greatest coach in Edmonton sports history? Now, I had to narrow it down to four choices. Of course, Hugh Campbell is on the list. His resume, and I'm happy to hear from you on this, by the way. Phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. That's the same number to text. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com. If, if you want to put a name forward or go with one of the guys on the list, I am happy if you do. So try to give me a sentence or two on, on why. That adds a little flavor to it and adds a little bit more to the discussion. But Hugh Campbell, six years as coach of the Green and Gold. In the regular season, he went 70-21-5. In his six seasons, the Double E went to the Grey Cup every year. So they won the West Final every year, and they went 5-1 and one in Grey Cup games for a total postseason mark of 11-1. Hugh Campbell, obviously on the list. Glenn Sather, 11 years as coach of the Oilers. Coached 842 regular season games. Won 464 of them. His overall points percentage, 616. And, of course, four Stanley Cups in the playoffs going 89-37 and 37 in the postseason. Don't forget John Muckler was the head coach for the Oilers' fifth Stanley Cup in, uh, in 1990. Claire Drake, 28 years as the U of A hockey coach, six national titles, a 695 points percentage. He was uh, also briefly the coach of the Oilers in the World Hockey Association. And don't forget, he also coached the Golden Bears football team to the national championship in football in 1968. And I needed, a, I needed a, you know, I wanted to have as, as many choices as well, four, you know, four or five choices. The other choice I put on the list, and, and I figured this person was going to finish last in the voting, but I figured he deserved to be on this list. And, and look, I think you got to think about the city's history as a whole, what things meant at the time, the lasting impact of a coach or the program that he was in charge of. And I put Percy Page on this list. And I can tell you right now, he is way behind. Like he is, even if he wins California, he's not going to have enough electoral college votes. He's only at 3.3%. But Percy Page coached the Edmonton grads from 1915 to 1940 the women's basketball team. There's a little bit of a dispute over their actual record. If you read up on it historically, um, but they only lost about 20 times 
during that long run. They did play internationally. They went 27-0 in the Olympics. Women's basketball was not a medal sport in the Olympics. It was a, a demonstration sport, but they still didn't lose. And they beat almost everybody they played almost all the time. And I, I think that Percy Page and the, gra- the grads really blazed the trail for women's sports to eventually evolve into what it is now. I think they at least played a, a pretty significant part in that. So I put Percy Page on there as well. Hugh Campbell, Claire Drake, Percy Page, Glenn Sather. Uh, you're welcome to put other people forward. Certainly this city's been blessed with a lot of great coaches. You know, Don Horward was a guy I love dealing with at the U of A. Bob and I still have him on our shows sometimes. Three national titles with the Bears. Uh, you know, Terry Danilik, Lori Eisler, the volleyball coaches at the U of A, all, all incredible. Um, but those were the ones I put on the list. Kevin says, I don't have Twitter, but for me, number one is Glenn Sather. Number two is a tie between Hugh Campbell and uh, Claire Drake, 780-496-0063. It is is a fun topic to debate, and we will do it tonight. Paul Sur is going to check in in a couple minutes. He's with Basketball Alberta, so I can tell you who he he is going to advocate for, and uh, I'm sure Bob Stauffer will bring some interesting flavor to this discussion between 6.30 and 7. But the real cool thing is we have one of these coaches on the show tonight, as I said, Hugh Campbell is coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, Green and Gold Grey Cup Week here on Inside Sports. There's still a lot going on. GreyCupUnite.ca. I also want to let you know that the uh, Canadian Football Cheerleaders Alumni Organization, Edmonton Chapter, is uh, having a virtual tailgate party on Sunday as uh, part of the uh, Edmonton Grey Cup Unite programming. Now, it is uh, it is obviously going to be uh, virtual and allow for some quote-unquote tailgating. It's a free for, uh, uh, virtual event. It'll have a greats of the gridiron hot stove style interview with iconic members of the double E. Uh, I believe they got heck Pothy, Blake Dermott, our buddy dropping by Mookie Mitchell. Uh, Chris Sheets is going to be involved. Margot Marin from, uh, from global. Don't forget on Sunday, you can get tickets as well for the, uh, the big 50 50 online at the, uh, it's still esks.com, the website for the uh, Winifred Stewart's associations, Joey Moss's memorial fund. So you can check that out, out on Sunday too. So still some things to, to celebrate here with the, uh, with the Grey Cup going on. Well, not going on, but would have been going on. And uh, as part of the virtual tailgate party, also a performance by Brett Kissel, and that'll be streamed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on the double E football team's Facebook, uh, Facebook page. So anyway, just some other things to keep in mind. We're back with Paul Sir in a couple minutes. Pleased to welcome back to the show. He's the boss at Alberta Basketball. He's the managing director of 3x3 Development for Canada Basketball. It is Paul Sir. Paul, how's it going, man? Boy, I like that title, the boss. We need to use that more often here, Reed. (laughs) 
Well, it just sums it up instead of saying executive director or what it is. You're the guy. You're the man in charge. That's all people need to know. Great to be here, Reed. Thanks so much. By the way, I'm I'm sorry for the 35th consecutive season you were overlooked in the NBA draft yesterday. It's it's a travesty in a conspiracy. I'm thinking of hiring the Trump lawyers legal team after they get done with their with their investigation down in the states. Some we got to get to the bottom of this eventually. Reed, time's running out. I look forward to the results of that investigation, Paul. Okay, our our fun topic tonight, uh, greatest coach in Edmonton sports history. I I put out a Twitter poll, and and people can chime in with whoever they want. It's it's fun to talk. I've actually had a couple replies saying it's it's too hard to pick. But I put Percy Page on the list, and, and I figured he'd be fourth in the voting, and he is. But you're representing the basketball community. And uh, maybe if some people need a reminder of, of his significance here. So I'll, I'll let you campaign for Percy Page here. I am honored to be the representative for Percy Page tonight, Reed. And I appreciate the opportunity because I thought it was, it, it was uh, very wise of you to include him in that very, very prestigious group. Hey, I mean, when you're talking about Claire Drake, Glenn Sather, and Hugh Campbell, I mean, what, what, I mean, this is, these are such legends and legends in people's lifetimes now. And I think that's Percy's biggest obstacle is people don't remember Percy Page. Very few people living today ever met Percy Page. But boy, when you look at what Page did and what the grads, the Edmonton grads, for listeners who don't know, that was a women's basketball team that competed from 1912 to 1940 and you can imagine Reed what the uh, what the landscape was like for women playing sport at that time and Percy Page and the grads did everything at such a high level to say they were the best women's team in the world is uh, is uh, is almost a joke they 502 wins and 20 losses no one in no team in basketball has ever even come close to that kind of record. Olympic championships, world championships, 20 losses over 18 years. Unbelievable. And uh, Percy Page was the heart and soul of it. And he led this team of women to heights that have never been equaled and never will be equaled. Well, I, I think I think you make a great point with the longevity, and it's unfortunate that women's sports was has not you know advanced to where it is now at the time. But that's not the fault of the grads that it wasn't an official Olympic sport or all that kind of stuff. And and to me, why I thought he had to be on there is this wasn't a five or six year burst of brilliance where you maybe had an incredible crop of players that just dominated everybody. This went on for, for a couple of decades. And then that's why I thought if you're talking about a legendary name in the city, uh, I couldn't leave him. I, I couldn't leave him off and, and probably elevated the stature of women's sports and put it onto the path. Now where we have, uh, the, you know, pro leagues and, and women in the Olympics and high, you know, I think it, it all, it all had to start somewhere and you can trace some of that back. I think to page and the grads. Well, I think you can trace, trace a lot of it. People who know women's basketball, for instance, read all across the world, know who the Edmonton grads were. It's a, it's an amazing story that oftentimes is overlooked right in our own midst. 
And so I, again, give you kudos for putting Percy in there because what they did was absolutely remarkable. So here's a parting thought. The inventor of the game, Canadian James Naismith, his quote is, this is the finest basketball team I've ever seen. So you've got the founder of the feast, the man who invented the game of basketball, saying that about the Edmonton grads. And I think... I think what to call them a legend is is an understate a gross understatement. This this is a transcendent team that broke barriers when there when people didn't even know there were barriers to be broken and paved the way for women's sports and the progress it's made today. Paul, well said. This is uh, this is a fun discussion. Uh, Stoff's going to check in uh, after the break, so we'll see where where he goes with this. But but thanks for that perspective, and and, and I think that uh, that reminder about Paige's influence and about the grads' influence, buddy. Thanks for checking in. We'll talk again soon, of course. Eh? All right, Reed. Always look forward to it. Thanks so much. That is Paul, sir. He is the boss at Alberta Basketball and uh, also helps with 3x3 development with Canada Basketball. And don't forget Paul's son, Steve, who we've had on the show several times in the spring. He'll be playing in a qualifying tournament for 3x3 at the Olympics. Al says, uh, Reed, I don't have access to Twitter, but I would vote for Claire Drake, great coach and the only native Edmontonian. And Kevin said, (laughs) this is a good one from Kevin, with Grey Cup week being virtual i hope i don't have to drink virtual beer or eat virtual pizza kevin you do not i give you permission to get the real thing good question though kevin no such thing as a dumb question only dumb radio hosts three minutes in hawks have the ball opening drive of the game they're around midfield stoffer checks in when we get back opening drive for the Seahawks 12 plays 75 yards it took six minutes and 15 seconds 25 yard touchdown pass Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf extra point good so a quick seven nothing lead for the Seahawks now Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals will get the ball the kick return comes out to the 26 so they will try and reply three-way tie for first in the NFC West but when you apply the tiebreakers, it goes Arizona, L.A. Rams, and then Seattle. I would argue that uh, I, I think the Rams are the best out of those teams, especially if you look at uh, at how good they are on defense. But the Hawks have uh, Wilson. They have a terrible defense, quite frankly. And uh, Arizona has Kyler Murray and some pretty good weapons, and they stole one on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills with DeAndre Hopkins going up and making the grab for the Hail Mary. Brad texting in. He says, uh, hey, uh, Reed, what about Perry Pern from Nate? As we're discussing tonight, the greatest coach in Edmonton sports history and a man on the short list will join me in about half an hour. Hugh Campbell is going to be on the show. The names I put on my Twitter poll, Percy Page and Paul Sergis advocated for him, Glenn Sather, Hugh Campbell, and Claire Drake as we welcome Bob Stoffer to the show. Bob, thanks for checking in, man. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? Good. Hey, I, I got to ask you something here about your show tomorrow. Are you going to have Elliot on? Because that was a relatively pessimistic piece that he penned today. It was, and it conveniently did not mention the fact that the alternative for the players is not good. And that alternative, of course, is there could be some uh, organization 
organizations in the NHL that would just prefer not playing. So, uh, you know, we're all having to uh, change things. You're still doing the show out of your house, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, like we're all having to do things a little bit differently, and there's a lot of people that are advertisers on the radio station right now that don't have the same sort of volume of dollars coming in, and they're trying to keep as many people employed as possible, and there's some real hard challenges out there, and uh, I think it's coming upon the NHL and the NBA, NHLPA to work their way through it. Uh, players need to realize they're not the NFL and they're not the NBA. The television dollars are nowhere near the same, and Far more relying upon the fans. That's a given. I know Batman said 50% when he did a State of the Union address before the Stanley Cup final in Tampa played Dallas. It's my personal belief it's closer to 60% in terms of how much of the actual revenue for teams is dependent upon bums being in the seats. So uh, we'll have to work our way through it. I realize, you know, it was a pessimistic day, and I think a bit of an epiphany for some of the fans or for some of the players, Reed. And I think what happens sometimes is. Your support network tends to be so incredibly supportive of you. you got guys like your agents. But let me, allow me to suggest the best agents are the ones that are real and direct with you, just like your best friends, Reed, are the ones that don't BS you. They just tell you the way it is. That's what makes them good friends. So, uh, you know, again, I, I hope everybody can get things worked out from an NHL and NHLPA perspective, and I expect that they will. Okay. Now, I just want to go back to something you said when you said some the players have to realize that maybe some teams don't want to play are you suggesting that it's possible because i just want you to clarify this it's possible that the season could proceed but with fewer than 31 teams like oh no, they couldn't no, no, possibly no 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 no, no. Okay. what i'm just, saying what i'm saying is that there are some owners that theoretically if they're leveraged and they've got multiple businesses uh, there, there theoretically could be some owners that are sitting there saying, if I don't have fans, I'm going to lose, you know, if I don't play, I might, maybe I only lose 30 or 35 million. But if I got to pay the players for games and I have no way to recoup the costs other than my regional TV deal and a little bit of the national TV money, maybe I end up losing 50 or 60 million. There might be some guys that sit there and say, you know what, I'm not going to be altruistic here. I prefer losing less money. That's what I'm saying, but there's not a chance, you know, it, it's, there's, you know, if we're going to play, it's going to be all 31 teams in. It's not like there's going to be 28 of the 31 teams playing. Well, they got They kind of got to get on with it. If they want to start January 1st, they are more than, so that's uh, what, 11 days after the NBA is going to start. It's been more than 11 days since the NBA announced the start of their season. And the yep. NBA a few days ago came out with their schedule format and yep. with their playoff format and announcing what you and I have talked about possibly happening in the, in the NHL, that they're going to release part of the schedule and then do the rest of it when it comes out. So, I, I mean, now I, I'm still pretty optimistic the NHL plays. I, I January 1st is starting to look more and more like a long shot unless something really gathers steam in the next five or six days. Well, uh, you know, I talked to a couple players last night and uh, they were a little bit taken aback at the NHLPA meeting yesterday. And again, sometimes maybe it takes a couple days of clarity over the course of the weekend. And, um, but I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I, if you're the players, either accept, like, that's the thing to read. you got listeners right now going to the show and some listeners might say, Bob, the NHL agreed to a deal in the Memorandum of Understanding on a multi-year CBA extension. They agreed to a deal and they should stick to the deal. And But the difference is we have a CBA, and in the CBA, revenue is split 50-50, and those projections for revenue are going to be way down 
because what they discussed in June and July, the goalposts have moved because of COVID. And so others would sit there and say, you should only get paid for what you, uh, you, what you actually do. So if you're only going to play 48 out of 82 games, you should only be paid for 48 of those 82 games. And what the league has tried to do through some combination of escrow, uh, change in escrow and a change in deferral is circumvent kind of that, that perspective of, uh, you know, 48 out of 82 to get the dollars kind of match up that way. So again, Reed, uh, I'm, I'm still optimistic. I realize it was a tough day. And I just think that, you know, smart people look for solutions and there's smart people on both sides. So hopefully they get it done. Bob Stoffer checking in. Oilers now noon to two every day here on 630 Shed. The Cardinals punted. The Seahawks defense actually got a three and out. So Seattle has the ball back, but uh, they're now facing a third down with a 7 nothing lead. Okay, Bob, uh, Hugh Campbell's coming up at 7.05. Yeah. The, the, the five in a row, a, a, a golden era. Uh, and then obviously that led into the Oilers' success, but but I mean the the best the best run ever in the Canadian Football League. And, and before maybe we get into the, to the fun question I put out on Twitter, uh, you're a little bit older than me, so you would have had uh, you know certainly a, a more uh, you have more memories of those five in a row teams and more memories of Campbell as the coach. Well, what was really interesting is uh, when I moved into the city from our acreage, uh, I went to Harry Inley, and Hugh's daughter was at the school. Uh, and, you know, she was sort of friends with uh, a bunch of guys I knew, like Greg Parks, who's no longer with us, and Willie Carey and guys like that. Uh, you know, I thought the world of Hugh, he had a laid-back, understated style. He, 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 it wasn't about him. Uh, you know, it was it was about the team, and he had terrific coordinators at that time, obviously, with uh, Don Matthews on defense and Joe Farragalli and the Eskimos uh, on offense, and the Eskimos also had uh, you know, the best U.S. scout in Ray Newman, and they had the best Canadian scout in Frankie Morris. So they had a lot of things going for them. Uh, Dale Potter was a teacher of mine. He was part of that all-star linebacking core that featured Danny Kepley and Tom Towns. I see Tom around town. Saw him a couple months ago over at Allegro, uh, City's West End. And uh, it's just funny, right? You, you still see, you know, for me, it was a bittersweet time. I, I was a season ticket holder uh, at 15, 16, and 17 in those stands watching those teams play, and they were spectacular. And you thought they could win at any time, including the Grey Cup, Reed. You remember uh, the 81 Grey Cup against Ottawa when they were on the ropes. I think they were down 20 to 1 at one point during that game late in the first half. So um, absolutely special time. Uh, no question about it. And Hugh was a huge part of it. And then I got to know Hugh a little, you know, when he was running the Eskimos and Danny Machocha was the, the head coach of the team. And he was always very fair and gracious with his time. So I, I will tell you a quick story, Reed. I bumped into him after he took the job down in the uh, NFL at the Houston Oilers. And we were in an elevator at convention itself. And I looked at him and I said, so, Who's your quarterback going to be this year, Gifford Nielsen or Oliver Luck? And he just looked at me with total shock. And as you know, Oliver Luck would later, that's Andrew Luck's dad, and Oliver Luck would uh, later go on to uh, be the athletic director at West Virginia. And Gifford Nielsen was out of that Brigham Young program that had guys like Jim McMahon and Steve Young and Robbie Bosco and all those guys. So special time, uh, big fan of Hugh Campbell, big fan of the Eskimos, now the double team. Well, it's it's been fun having these guests on this week, Bob, and thanks for uh, dropping that Giz story into your show the other day because that was an absolute classic. And Brian Kelly, and I want to ask you about this, that 81 game, and Dave Cutler's coming up tonight too who kicked the game-winning field goal. 
they, they were down 20 to one to an Ottawa team that went five and 11 in the regular season in the 81 Grey cup. And I asked Brian Kelly, so what did the coaches say at halftime or did the players take the lead in, in trying to fire the guys up? And, and Brian Kelly said, well, it was really the players. The coaches didn't have a lot of motivational speeches for being down 19 when you were favored by 30. <laughs> Well, Dave Cutler's son, Rob Cutler, was on my football team that I played with out in Sherwood Park. I played Pee Wee football. Uh, if ever there was an aptly named team for yours truly, that was it. We were known as Consolidated Concrete. And uh, uh, so I got to know Dave. And as you know, Dave worked in the radio business forever. So great guy, wonderful storyteller. Uh, and uh, I, John Cutler, uh, the Rob's younger brother, Dave's uh, other son, uh, still in town doing, I think, skills in sports, uh, was a very good uh, picker for the uh, Alberta Golden Bears uh, when I was doing my first stint of Golden Bears games around 1989, 90. I think, I think that uh, John got there in about uh, 90 or 91. He, he, well, I don't think he was there at 89 because Stephen Kozowski, wow, this is, uh, we're banging him off. Stephen Kozowski is actually, uh, through a marriage, is, is, is related to me, and he was the, the kicker from 85 to 89. So small world on that front. Now, did you vote in my Twitter poll, or are you staying out for that? Read, you can comment on I did, it. I did vote, and I think you'll be surprised as to who I selected. So why don't you give out the poll again? Okay, so it's on my Twitter account. I think I left it open till about 8 o'clock tonight just for fun. Who is the greatest coach in Edmonton sports history? The choices I put in alphabetical order, Hugh Campbell, Claire Drake, Percy Page, Glenn Sather. Who do you think I chose? I think you chose Claire Drake. I chose Glenn Sather. Claire won six national championships in 28 years. Uh, it's he, There is no... no guy better in terms of developing men than Claire Drake. And the success that Alberta has had uh, consistently since then. And Bill Moore is replacing Claire. Rob Dom did a very good job. Three titles in 10 years. Bill won a couple. Claire won six. Uh, Ian Herbers came in and won two in his first three years. I actually think, Reed, that Ian might be the best coach the U of A's ever had. Eric Thurston, by the way, won two national championships in his first three years as well. So they've had, but I, I pick Glenn Sather as the best coach in Edmonton history. Um, frankly, it was at a higher level. Uh, it's it's more competitive with all due respect to the Golden Bear Hockey Program. They're the big dog in the West. The order, what Glenn Sather accomplished and, you know, giving, uh, you know, helping develop seven Hall of Fame players, understanding years ahead of his time that you allow people, you, you know, you allow people to make mistakes and you grow with them. You don't break people down and build them up. He never did stuff like that. Uh, he defended his players uh, when they needed it. The occasional kick in the butt, he did that. But he didn't destroy them when they made errors. And he was a major reason why that organization was as successful as it was for as long as it was. And he did his best work in Edmonton. And to me, I, I don't think, you know, I know he won the four cups as a head coach and Buck won one as a head coach. But the fact that the Oilers stayed as competitive as they did for as long as they did after Gretzky's um, departure after Peter Pocklington sold Wayne to L.A. in large part is because of Glenn Sather. So I'm picking Glenn Sather. Uh, and I'll put Ian on the list in about 20 years. Sound fair? <laughs> Better. He's got to win seven or eight more it's, titles. It's gonna, Ian, Ian has a chance. The, the alumni, I've, I've had this debate with the alumni, and I've told them, like, they, you know, Claire and Billy are revered by that alumni. But you can make a strong argument if you look at how dominant the teams were that Ian's teams and Rob Dom's teams were better. Just food for thought on that front. 
Well, yeah, and, and uh, Ian was very close to adding another championship before they, they won the other two. So, uh, yeah, fair point. We remember watching that. Was it Waterloo where they, the shots were like 42-14 or something like that? Claire, and mean, they hit, they hit the post on the set play at the end? Claire had that happen in 85 and 89. Mark Applewhite for York stole both years. I mean, they were all over them. But uh, I'm, I'm speaking about the domination out west. Like, there were years that Calgary was right there with U of A. Or Saskatchewan was right there at the U of A, and the last five years Rob was at the U of A. That wasn't wasn't close, and and Ian, uh, my money's on Ian long term. I know they didn't win the conference last year. Goalie, two games, and you know had a 98 percent shooting percentage, save percentage over two games. But back to slots. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, you know, to me it's actually quite easy because it's at the highest level. It's in the most competitive field. And the, they're the how, they're the greatest team in the history of the NHL. I, I know there's people say, well, the Canadians won, you know, uh, four in a row, seventy six to seventy nine, and or yeah, seventy six to seventy nine, and then the the Islanders won from seventy nine to eighty three, or seventy nine eighty to eighty three. I don't care. They didn't win the way the Oilers did. The Oilers revolutionized the game, and they were an offensively dynamic team before the rules opened up to favor offensively dynamic teams. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Glenn Sather all day. All right. To wrap it up, I just got one question today for the quiz for Stoffer, but you're going to love the it. The answer is six. <laughs> well, close. Close. Just, just We're, uh, the, the jumping off point is a coach that uh, was a great coach here and is maybe a, a favorite interview for, but well, not maybe, he is a favorite interview for both you and me. That is Don Horwood, who led the U of A basketball team to three national titles in 94, 95, and 02. Bob, who did they beat in the final in each year? Oh, boy. Well, in 02, they beat Western. Correct. Okay. They lost to Brandon in 96. I'm going to say they beat Brandon in one of those two years, maybe in 95. And I have no clue as to who they beat in 94. And their athletes were so good, and Don did such a great job with those guys that a couple of them got picked up by the Eskimos, uh, Murray Cunningham and, and uh, Eddie Joseph. Uh, and they targeted, I think Eddie actually was uh, around a little bit before that, but Cunningham was definitely part of that team with Greg DeVries. So who was, I, I, I've forgotten who they beat in 94, 95. Who was it? McMaster and then Concordia. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Anytime you can beat a team from uh, Hamilton or Montreal, that's a good thing. But was I right in 02 with Western Ontario? Yeah, it was Western, and, and you're right. They did lose to Brandon going for the three-peat. Yeah, well, and, and you know, people need to remember the Jerry Hemmings at Brandon. He had the two-lane pipeline on his team. He had three players kicked out of the NCAA for point shaving. That ended up on his team when they won a couple national championships in the late 1980s. Yeah. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for your insight. I look forward to your show tomorrow, especially your chat with Elliot. Is he 12.30 tomorrow? Uh, we got Simmer on at 12.15 to talk about Dave's drive. Elliot's on tomorrow. Uh, Speck is going to be on for the horses and horse racing, Alberta. Elliot for River Cree. And uh, the always understated Jack Michaels, my play-by-play partner. Oh. And Reed, you, sir, will be on Monday. Oh, I look forward to it. Thanks for checking in, Bob. See ya. Bye-bye. That is Bob Stoffer. Oilers now, noon to 2, every day here on 6.30. Chad, love talking to Bob. Still 7 nothing Seahawks. Two and a half left in the first. Back after the break. Couch 
Town Bob right again. He says, hey, Reid, your poll's incredibly difficult, but my vote would be for Hugh Campbell. Here's why. Had I the talent to play pro football for the EEs, I'm from the era that Hugh would have been my coach. In those days, coaches were tough and had a mean disposition to get players to play their best. That was not the case for Hugh Campbell. His players would openly talk about how much they loved him. He was a rare coach in those days to achieve uh, to achieve so much by totally respecting his players. The first thing he did after one of the cup wins was to get a, dedicate the victory to Donnie Washington, who had been killed in the offseason, a great man and a great football mind. Not surprising, the USFL and NFL also wanted his services. We were most fortunate to have him in Edmonton. That is Cowtown Bob checking in tonight yeah appreciate that that's uh that's a really good message hugh campbell is coming up next on the show uh again his record with the green and gold six seasons he went 70 21 and 5 in the regular season 11 and 1 in the postseason went to the gray cup every year lost the first year and then won five in a row yeah pretty incredible and dave cutler is coming up at 7.30 tonight. Happy to hear from you if you want to call or text 780-496-0063. First quarter just ended in Seattle. 7-0 Seahawks up on the Cardinals. We will keep you updated. Back after the news. Thanks for checking in tonight. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.